Well, good morning, Brandy Juan Grace. I am here, Facebook Live. We getting tired of doing this yet? Trying to figure out different ways to do church services. I just want to begin by saying, I'm today we're just I'm going to preach. I'm going to hopefully preach for about 30 minutes, uh, which is always hard for me. So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do that. And I want to just say thanks to you guys for all the text messages you've been sending, emails, uh, just encouraging me, encouraging the pastors. It's been real meaningful to receive those those texts. And I I really it's helping us to remain connected through this crisis. Sometimes it's helpful. I don't know if you guys are like this. I hope I I imagine you are, but sometimes it's helpful to think that things could be worse. Maybe you do that. And I like to laugh about things as well. So a funny thought I had this week was that I imagined Pharaoh and his experience of the plague. We're experiencing one plague, one experience of pestilence. And what might his attitude towards us be when he evaluates our our uh, our response to COVID-19? And so uh, I saw this funny meme that said something very, very funny. I think it's going to go up on the screen right now. But Pharaoh looking at us, watching us complain when we experienced just one plague. His, uh, his, his attitude is probably something like, man, where do you get them frogs? You ain't seen nothing yet. Anyway, lighthearted moment. Anyway. We've been talking, I've been communicating about the importance of us as a church living with confidence in God through crisis. That's been, that's been the, because of what we believe about Jesus, we are able to live with confidence in God through crisis. And I've been talking about what practical expressions of confidence look like. What does it include? And I've been using the three C's to talk about those things. Practical expressions of confidence in God right now are contemplation, connection, and care. So we talked a couple weeks ago about the importance of God slowing us down and us being contemplative people, us meditating on God, meditating on His Word, and, and being refreshed in His presence. Today I want to talk a little bit more about connection and the importance of trying to experience community even while we're quarantined. Next week, I want to take a little more time to talk about what it looks like to care for one another. The only way the church, the only way any church is going to survive is if we maintain meaningful connection with one another. But that's tough right now, right? That, that, that's difficult. It's tiring. Uh, thank God for Zoom, but, but people are experiencing Zoom fatigue. Zoom irritability is actually a thing. Um, it's requiring a lot of effort to maintain connection with one another. People are experiencing loneliness. I was talking to, listen to one mom who was saying she's feeling this experience of being alone, but she's never alone because she's always got the kids with her. And so that can leave her feeling tired at the end of the night. The last thing she wants to do is call her friends to experience some connection and community. So this is challenging. How The question I'm asking today is, how do we experience community in isolation? Community in isolation. What an oxymoron. Community in isolation. How do we do that? How do we continue to do that? 
And so let's look to the scriptures. Let's, let's look to God's word and allow the word of God to speak truth to us. And then we'll spend some time seeking to uh, apply that. So I want to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, uh, the end of the chapter, uh, verses 42 through 47. This is a picture. Luke wrote this. And it's a picture of Christian community at its finest. So let's, let's read the scripture together and look at a few things, and then we'll make some application. Luke 2, verse 42. Hear the word of the Lord. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lord, I pray that you would take your word and use it to, to help us to understand how Jesus has created community for us that we can enjoy and help us, Lord, to think about ways that we can stay in community while being isolated. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Book of Luke. You guys know this. We we went through the book of Luke a couple of years ago. We preached through the entirety. The book of Luke, written by Luke, he also wrote the book of Acts. The book of Luke presents us with the story of Jesus, his life, his, his death, his resurrection. Story of Jesus. In the book of Acts, Luke tells us all about the Acts of the Apostles. Book of Luke the Acts of Jesus, book of Acts, the Acts of the, of the Apostles, primarily the Apostles Peter and Paul. It provides a, a list of all that was happening after Jesus' resurrection and then after his ascension when the first Christian church was formed. So what we've just read is a description of what life looked like for the first church, for the early church. Luke likes to give these periodic summaries. He writes for a little while, and then he gives a little summary of what life looked like in the church. And what he's done here is he's given us a description of what community was like in the first Christian church. And from it, we learn a number of lessons. And the lesson I just want to draw out right now is, is an important question. And the important question is, what causes... Christian community? What is it that creates Christian community? What's responsible for this? What brought this into being? So we look at the text. Verse 42 begins with, and they. And you see the word they used over and over again. They signifies a group of people. And then he uses the word together. Verse 44, you see, and all who believe were together. Verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together. So there's they, and they're together doing things. It's a group together. It's a community. And then there's a lot of verbs in this passage. You see them 
you see them. Verse 42, they're devoting, they're teaching, they're fellowshipping, they're breaking bread, they're praying. Verse 43, they're awing, they're doing wonders and signs. Verse 44, they're believing, they're sharing. Verse 45, they're selling, they're distributing. Verse 46, they're attending, they're eating, they're receiving, they're worshiping. You see all of these verbs, all of this action. This is a community of people actively engaged. But what brought this community into being? What brought them together? This community is such a vision. We love, we love the picture of how this community is, is living and experiencing fellowship with one another. But what brought them into being? COVID-19 has likely created a longing in all of us for community. So there's, so there's a sense in which we, we miss people. We want to be around people, for most of us. But even though we long for it, community like this doesn't occur naturally. There's got to be something that first causes this. What, what preceded this? Now, it's important to remember that it's always been on God's heart to have a, a community, a people. God loves community. At the beginning of the Bible, he creates Adam and Eve. And we read of him creating the human race that they might serve him and love him and experience rich fellowship together, that they might live in communal harmony with one another. And it doesn't last very long. We got, we got about two chapters into a description of this rich community that God created us to enjoy. And, and then it all falls apart because of humanity's rebellion against God. They turn away from God and rebel against him, and they choose to live sinful, self-absorbed lives. And this has an effect on our community with God, and it has an effect on our community with one another. I heard Tim Keller say that when our relationship with God unraveled, our relationships with one another unraveled. Ever since the fall, we've been experiencing relational difficulty, relational unraveling. You see it between nations. Relationships between nations characterized by war and conflict and violence and fighting. Getting along doesn't come naturally any longer after the fall. Race relationships in the United States now, we see this. Conflict, strife, hurting one another. Even basic relationships amongst our family. In our, in our families, we actually work hard to, to get along and to experience unity and peace. But even in those relationships, we experience uh, relational explosions. The reason is because we all have this desire for sinful independence. We have this desire about self, we're, we're self-absorbed, we're self-centered. We want to live self-centered lives. We see people ultimately as interruptions to what we what we can gain for ourselves. Too often, we might not say this, we might not be willing to admit this, but it's true. The, the most important person in the relationship is me. And when everybody approaches relationships with the most important person being me, we experience relational breakdown. 
we don't experience the kind of community that we see here in Acts 2. Real community is nothing but a dream for selfish people. That's why this summary is so surprising. We look at it, we read it, and we're amazed. How could people live this way? Because we know ourselves how difficult relationships can be. So what has caused it? What caused this community? What, what brought them together? Well, if you turn in your Bible back to verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14, you'll see what caused it. What caused it was Jesus has ascended, and now Peter, one of his disciples, stands up and preaches the first Christian sermon ever. And man, was this sermon anointed. Peter gets up, he, he preaches in the power of the Spirit, and he tells people, he tells the crowd that's gathered the reason for Jesus. He tells them that through his perfect life, through his death, through his resurrection, that he's made salvation possible for everyone who would believe. He tells them that all of God's saving activity is found in Jesus. And then he asks the crowd, do you want to be rescued from your sinful state? Do you want rescue? Do you want salvation? And he says, you've got to put your trust in Christ alone for that. And it says, Scripture tells us that the people were cut to the heart. They believed that what Peter said was true. They asked him what they should do. Peter tells them to repent and believe in Jesus. And the same is true today. If you long for a relationship with Jesus, if you long to experience relational harmony with God once again, it's going to be through Jesus. You just repent and believe the gospel. You trust him. You come to him. And Jesus gives you that restored relationship, which he accomplished through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it says that 3,000 people believe. Man, I'd love to preach in that way. I'd love to know that 3,000 people are on Facebook and YouTube right now, and that some are giving their lives to Jesus as a result of what I just said about him. This sermon was anointed. 3,000 people believe, and it's that group that is being described in verses 42 through 47. I began with a question. What creates Christian community? What created this community? The gospel creates Christian community. If you're experiencing any community at all in the church, what we need to remember is that it's the gospel that has created that. It's Jesus who creates gospel community. The cause of our community is the gospel. In order for this community to form, we needed a change of heart, a radical change of heart, and God provided that power for change by regenerating our hearts through the power of the gospel. The Bible begins with community. Sin destroys it. Jesus comes to restore our broken relationship with God and with one another. And then the Bible ends. I just got to show you guys this. This is so weird to preach like this, to not hear any of your voices. I'll assume that somebody is watching this and listening. But listen to this. Listen how the Bible ends. The Bible ends with a brilliant vision of community. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, 
from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Church, what has created gospel community? What has created this community? It's Jesus and it's His gospel. The gospel creates community where there is none. This is what we need to remember when we start to talk about how can we, how can we experience meaningful connection while we're isolated. we got to remember what created this community to begin with, and it's the gospel that creates community. If you're enjoying community, any aspect of it now, if you have enjoyed it at all, you must remember that it's the gospel that created it. We should give thanks to Jesus for the community that he's created, that he's placed us in. We would, apart from him, we'd still be selfish and rebelling and unable to experience what we see here. But because of his work, because of his gospel, it's created community where there is none. Now, about 15 more minutes, I want to do this. I want to make some application. And I want to speak to two things. And the first is I want to speak to the issue of loneliness. There's people in the church, people in our communities, people in our neighborhoods that are experiencing loneliness to a greater degree. Loneliness is not an issue that is isolated or relevant only to COVID-19, right? Perhaps for some of you, you're listening right now, I say loneliness and you know what that feels like. Loneliness has always been there, but the experience of it is amplified during quarantine. So we've got this experience of loneliness, an amplified experience of loneliness. And I want to just pastor the lonely for a moment. Let's remember that aloneness is not the ideal. In creation, we hear God saying it's not good for man to be alone. So aloneness is not the ideal, but it is a reality for some, and it's being amplified during this crisis. And what I want to remind you of is that your Savior, your King, your Jesus experienced loneliness. He was, the scriptures tell us, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus knows loneliness. I've begun studying the book of Hebrews in my devotions. And in Hebrews 2, it tells us that Jesus had to be made like us in every respect. In every respect includes your experience of loneliness. Verse 18 tells us that because he himself has suffered when he's been tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. That means because he has suffered loneliness, he knows how to help the lonely. Hebrews 4, 15, and 16 says that he's able to sympathize with the lonely because he's experienced loneliness. Probably no better picture than our Savior's loneliness is, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, he's got his closest friends there with him, the disciples. And he is experiencing fear and intrepidation as he thinks about the cross. And he asks them, can you just sit with me in this moment of agony, I feel horribly lonely right now. I feel like this is going to be very difficult. 
And we see on not one, not two, but on three occasions, in his moment of agony and loneliness, his best friends fall asleep on him. Jesus knows loneliness. He knows what it's like to experience the pain that comes from being alone. And Hebrews 4.16 says that because of that, let us then draw with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive grace in our time of need. If you're experiencing loneliness right now, the application is this. Pray for special grace in your time of loneliness. Remember that your Savior is one that knows what it feels like to, to experience the deepest pangs of loneliness. Pray for grace. Draw near to the throne that you might receive mercy and help in your time of loneliness and need. If the MVP, if the most valuable player of the universe knew and experienced loneliness, he's able to help you in your loneliness. Draw near to him with confidence and expect help from him. Remember what the scripture says. The scripture tells us that we can fear not, the Lord says, for I am with you. Don't be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will surely help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Let's also remember, church, let's, let's pay close attention to those that are in our circles and in our neighbors and in our communities that are experiencing loneliness. And let's work doubly hard during this crisis to make sure that they're cared for. Now, let me just end time of application by asking this question. What does meaningful connection in isolation consist of? What are the components? Like, if we're asking the question, what is meaningful connection look like during isolation? What would it look like? What does it, what does it include? What's it consist of? I want to just offer three things briefly. Meaningful connection in isolation, it's intentional. It's intentional. So when you're thinking about what it means to be meaningfully connected while in isolation, you're going to need to be intentional. Now, not everyone is experiencing COVID-19 the same. For extroverts like me, it's, it's irritating. It's troublesome. It's painful. It's frustrating. But I've learned that for the introverts among us, COVID-19 with its quarantine mandates is actually dreamy. It, it, it justifies your isolation. But one thing we're realizing is Zoom calls, as, as grateful as we are for Zoom, they're fatiguing, they're tiring. Even though some people, I've been talking to people that have not lost their jobs, and, and, and gratefully, there's, a, there's uh, not a lot of people in our community that have lost their jobs. But one of the things I have uh, learned is that some people are working harder than ever. And so I was talking with one uh, guy who said he was on conference calls um, that, that, uh, that he was on conference calls for eight hours straight. Eight hours straight. And so the, the challenge for him is when he gets off of an eight-hour conference call, the last thing he wants to do is go get on a Zoom call and start trying to care for people. He's fatigued. He's tired. He's irritable. 
So what's going what's gonna to need to happen is that man is going to have to be intentional in order to, to experience meaningful connection. Remaining connected is going to require more effort. It's going to require more intentionality on our part, especially if we're going to make contact with those we might not naturally engage with. Community always has barriers to entry, but now you've got to pass through more barriers. It's increasingly complicated. It's increasingly laborious. So church, we have to be intentional. Are you being intentional? If we're going to survive as a community through this crisis, and I believe that God is doing some things in us, and I believe we're going to emerge from this stronger, but if we're going to make it, we have to remain connected, and that connectivity is going to require intentionality. So what can you do? You might have to build some habits. COVID is changing our rhythms. We have to reevaluate our schedules. You might have to build a habit. You might, maybe for you, it means setting aside a little bit of time every day, just blocking out some time and saying, that time I'm going to devote to trying to stay connected with people that I love or with people in my community. Maybe, so you choose a time of day. Maybe another thing you could do to make, be intentional is grab a pen, sit on a Sunday afternoon, and make a list of people that you want to reach out to, a list of people that you want to remain connected with. Make a list of the kinds of questions you want to ask people. So you can make a list of those questions and then call someone and work through those questions. Be intentional. What does meaningful connection consist of? It's intentional. Second, it's frequent. It's frequent. The quality of our interactions has decreased. So the frequency of our interactions or the quantity of our interactions probably needs to increase. Lower quality means more frequency, an increase in frequency. If you have a list of people that you want to stay connected to, when you finish the list, start cycling back through. Use technology to your advantage. I just uh, heard uh, Icel was, uh, I was talking with them and, uh, or maybe Drew was telling me that Icel has been using Marco Polo, just using an, an, an app, using technology, in this case, to record short videos of people she's distanced from and just connecting with them, recording short video. Then they open the video, they record another one and send it back. She opens it and they're able to stay in contact. They're able to stay in frequent contact. So meaningful connection. It's intentional, it's frequent, and it's opportunistic. It's opportunistic. The crisis has created opportunity, right? What are the doors that are opening for community? People are out walking in the neighborhood. There's more people walking in my neighborhood in the last week than they've walked in the last few weeks than they've walked in the last few years. It's an opportunity. I was talking to Matt, and uh, he was saying that through this COVID crisis, they've learned through interacting with their neighbors that two of the neighbors play in a rock, a cover band that, that performs in Atlantic City. And so since they're not performing now, they had this idea in their neighborhood to get the band together right there in their garage, open up the garage doors, and then everyone comes out for these weekly happy hours where the band plays. They come and stand at the end of their driveways, 
keep their social distance, but they're experiencing some community that they otherwise would not have experienced. What does it require? To be opportunistic, to take initiative. Define your community. Who is your community? And then take some initiative. Yesterday I saw on Facebook after, after we did our outreach to the community. The last three or four weeks we've been able to meet the needs in the community by offering free food and free household products to those in need. And it's just been amazing. Like 70 to 80 families have consistently been showing up. And I saw a Facebook post, a woman named Wendy. Maybe you're listening right now. Wendy, I hope you are. Lord bless you, and, and thanks for sending your encouragement to us. But she just wrote that she was sitting in her car at Grace Brandywine Church, overwhelmed by love and compassion with tears in her eyes, and feels this, she made mention of this great awareness of God in meeting her needs. She's feeling loved, and she was taking time to thank the church for coming alongside them to provide for them in their moment of need. That's opportunistic. That's experiencing meaningful connection by looking at the opportunities that COVID has created and taking initiative. It's worth taking a second, church, to think about people in our gospel community and in our neighborhoods and in our cities and communities that are doing more than expected. A lot of people doing more than they have to right now. A lot of people doing more than we can imagine or more than you can imagine. I'm, I'm filled with gratitude to all the healthcare workers that are just showing up and doing a difficult job. They're risking so much to help. And a number of them are from our church, people who are on the front lines. Grateful for you guys. Frontline workers and volunteers in our community, in Downingtown, in Coatesville, in our neighborhoods, people working in food service, the police, the fire department, the gas station, they're showing up. Thanks to the deacons of the church and others who are meeting the needs of the partners of Brandywine Grace and then seeking to go above and beyond that and meet the needs in our community. Brandywine Grace, we have done more in this community in the last four weeks than we've done in the last four years. I'm grateful for missional community leaders leading their groups, just showing up, trying to maintain connection with the people they're caring for. I was listening to one missional community leader who was saying, we used to meet once a week, but now, because we've got time on our hands, we're meeting two and three times a week. Three times a week, this missional community is meeting. And they're saying that their experience of fellowship is stronger than it's ever been. I'm grateful for the Sunday morning production team, people that are making this service happen right now, the communication team that is formed. Grateful for your pastors, elders, some of them working jobs all day long and then spending their evenings contacting partners. Church, you're showing up and you're doing what I see in the scriptures. And for that, I'm thankful. Despite what's going on all around us, let's just keep showing Oh, for the king. Amen? Amen. All right, not too bad. 11.03. I want to move to some, some Q&A, and I think the way I'm going to handle this is uh, J. Russ is sending me some text right now. So because I can't, I'm not able, guys, to look at the Facebook stream right now. Um, 
what I'll do is I'll start off um, with this question, and then, uh, Jeros, you can send some others into me. If you guys are putting questions in the Facebook feed, in the comments section, um, I'll be able to take a few of those now. And obviously, I'm, we're only going to take 15 minutes here, 15, 20 minutes. If we get bombarded, I don't know how many questions are on there, but if we got bombarded, one of the things we were thinking about is maybe we do a Zoom call next week. We compile a list of questions and do a Zoom call. People can jump in and uh, experience connection with the pastors in this way. So here's the first question. Last week, I, I made a comment uh, quoting a guy named James K.A. Smith who was, who was talking about how so many would have expected the church of all institutions to crumble during a crisis like this because our community is being stifled or isolated. And so he made a comment that COVID is actually revivifying community. And uh, one of, so the question is, what might be causing that? What might be causing that? So I'll, I'll give a few thoughts to this. That's definitely my, our experience. We've been talking about how COVID has driven us into these cocoons, these isolation cocoons, but that our experience of community, I've talked to so many who are actually experiencing deeper fellowship. And there's probably a couple reasons for that. One, when we experience crisis, it, it causes us to think about spiritual things. When you turn on the TV or, you, or you're uh, looking at social media and you see people are dying from COVID crisis, it, it can't help but start to affect us spiritually. We start thinking about things like death. And so when people start to think about spiritual things, they're looking for spirit, they have spiritual questions, they're looking for spiritual answers, there's this hunger for God. There's a hunger for Jesus. There's a hunger for that relationship with God that's been broken through sin that Jesus came to restore. There's this hunger that we experience for that. And so I think people are searching for that. I think that's one reason why we're experiencing revivifying community. Um, another is, and I think this is really interesting. You know, we've talked about this in the past where the church, and not just Brandywine Grace, but the church, especially in America, can be consumer-oriented. So people come to be entertained. And I actually, I actually, I saw somebody writing about this. I think some of the large megachurches, and, and I don't mean to pick on megachurches, but I do think that where there's more of an entertainment culture in the church, I think they stand to lose much here because what has happened? Well, church has become very simply probably what it's always been designed to be, the, the proclamation of God's word and experience of fellowship and connection. It's like we've been stripped down to the basics and we're able to do uh, discipleship. We're able to we're able to do just the simple things that the scripture prescribes. We don't have to do all these big shows. We're just doing simply today. We preach the word. We're doing some Q&A. Um, we're just talking about the scriptures. And, and so we're just doing simple discipleship. 
And so I think simple discipleship is what Jesus prescribed, and I think that's allowing for some uh, revivification of community because we're just doing the simple things. Those are some thoughts on why I think COVID is revivifying community. Is there any other uh, questions coming in? J. Ross, I'm looking to you to send me a question. Sorry, guys, for this technological challenge. I can't see the, the questions that are coming in. So I'll wait. I'll, let, I'll allow for some awkward silence while I wait for a question to come in. Or Dana, if you can, here we go. So the question um, is, how can missional communities, thanks guys, Dana is working on production and JRUS too. How can missional communities be reaching out to those not connected? Couple thoughts there. One is, if you're listening to the, to the sermon and engaging with us, but you're not in a missional community right now, and you're longing for that, Missional communities are meeting right now. They're not meeting, obviously, physically. They're meeting virtually. And there's a number of missional communities in the church. You just need to go onto our website, go to the section on missional communities, and there's a, a list of them geograph geographically where they meet, the names of the leaders and their contact information. You should go onto the website and, and find a missional community Contact the leader and they'll tell you when they're going to be meeting virtually. Jump, jump in on that. But this question gets more at how can missional communities be reaching out to, to those who are not connected? I'll, let me, not connected could mean a couple things. One is maybe partners of the church who aren't connected to a missional community. So that is just going to require some meaningful connection on your part. So if you know of someone that's part of the church, that's experiencing loneliness right now or lacking fellowship, or as, as people that are part of a missional community, invite them in to your experience. I think um, as it relates to people in our communities who are not connected to the church, there are so many opportunities for us. The one that I, the illustration I used of Matt, as you're walking around the neighborhood, Ask people questions. How are they doing through the crisis? How are they experiencing community? Do you feel isolated right now? And then you have an opportunity. Um, you have an opportunity to invite them into the community that you're experiencing. So seize opportunities, guys. They're all around us. Be seizing those opportunities. When you stop to get, uh, when you stop to pick up some groceries, you got your mask on. You're talking to someone through your mask. Ask them a question. How are they doing? How are they, how are they surviving through the crisis? Are they experiencing loneliness through isolation? And look for opportunities to uh, connect them into what you're experiencing. One, another thing that people have been doing is just doing Bible studies. We've been talking about more that we could do as a whole church, but but we can do things. We can do small things. I was just talking to Ben. He leads a missional community, and he's trying to do things. Um, even on social media, that will engage some of his friends who don't know Jesus and then maybe invite them into a, a Zoom Bible study. So those are some thoughts on missional communities reaching out. 
Um, another question. What's the best way to reach out if you have a need? So, so someone's asking, I have needs. How can I reach out? Um, the best way you can do that is, and, and you can jump right onto the website, and we actually have a page on the website right now dedicated to COVID-19 and some of the resources that we've been creating, sermons, resources for leading kids and, and family worship. But there's also a section there that is created for people to let us know what your needs are. That's the form that you should go to. It's also included in the weekly email. So everyone and all the partners of Brand New and Grace are getting a weekly email. And every week we've been uh, including that little section where you can click on that link and make us aware of your needs. If you go to YouTube, so this, I think we're, broad, well, I know we're broadcasting live on YouTube as well. If you go into the drop down section, the show more section, the e-liturgy is in the notes section of YouTube. There's a link in the opportunities for community and mission where you can make us aware of your needs. So, um, so there's plenty of ways to let us know. Another thought that I had, I love doing this kind of stuff. I wish I could see your faces and interact with you um, and hear your voices, but I'll just keep talking. Um, another thought that I had is as you're interacting with uh, people in the community that, you, that are experiencing need, that's an opportunity for you and your missional community to rally together to meet a specific need. So if you meet someone in your neighborhood that, that needs something, how can your missional community rally to meet that? Um, or, or could you even uh, bring them over uh, to the church on one of the days that, there's, that we're offering things? Last one. How can we continue this type of community once this is all over? Oh, that's a good one. Um, my pause indicates a number of things. Well, probably one thing it indicates is I don't know. <laughs> um, the other thing that it indicates, though, is that I'm thinking about this a lot, and the pastors are thinking about this a lot. first thought that comes to mind. One of the things that we're realizing through crisis is how we're, we're able to remain connected through technology, which is an amazing blessing. You know, when they went through the Spanish flu in 1918 and it lasted for two years, they didn't have this. We're able to be online together. So I think one question that we're asking as pastors is how can we utilize technology to our advantage when the crisis is over? So one of the things I recognize in Brandywine Grace that we talk about a lot is for whatever reason in our culture, and there, there's probably right reasons and wrong reasons for why this is. But in our culture, it's hard for us to fit more into our already busy schedules. So we're going to have to be intentional with that. I'd like to see more people involved in missional communities than we have. At one point, we were at about 60% involved. I'd love to see more people involved in experiencing meaningful acts to fellowship. Well, how do we do that? 
Well, one of the things we've heard is that when you have when you've got parents, and we've got a lot of parents with small children, it's hard. The kids are in school. Um, culturally speaking, we've got moms and dads that are working. So the idea of going out once a week and being at someone else's house and staying out late, putting the kids down to bed, getting up early for work, these are these are realities. So one of the things I've been thinking about is how could we utilize technology occasionally? We can't use technology to replace face-to-face -face gathering. That'll never work. We're going to starve for the actual one-on-one -on -one and, and the experience of, of fellowship, live fellowship and physical interaction and eating meals together. We're going to be starving for that. But I wonder if there's a way to take advantage of technology to increase the number of uh, meetings that we could have. We're even thinking about that as elders. You know, we, we do two elders meetings a month, and they usually last about three hours each. Should we move one of them to a virtual meeting to make it easier, to not have to, everybody has to drive somewhere? And, and just all of the, the, the shuffling around that it requires to hold meetings. One thing that I'm hoping takes place, and this question gets at this, is... Um, is the idea that we've learned something from this. Man, I hope that, that this experience of, of crisis and isolation isn't wasted on us. Like, I, I, hope, we don't, I hope we don't learn how important community is, because we've been isolated for so long, and, and we long to experience community and worship together. And then we get out of the crisis and we forget how important, we just start to take those things for granted again. That's actually one of my prayers. I, I, I hope that the crisis lasts long enough that we don't, can't just fall back into old patterns. That, the, that we're changed enough through this that the old patterns and old systems won't work for us anymore and we're going to have to create some new rhythms, new habits, new systems that, that hopefully help us. I really do believe that we can, that we can be and are going to be a stronger community coming out of COVID than we were prior to COVID. I, 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 really, I really have faith for that and I look forward to, to doing it, to enjoying it together. Another, another question. Uh, one, la one last one. Um, in what ways do you think we can look more like the early church represented in verses 42 through 47, both now and post-quarantine? Uh, sorry, I'm getting a lot of text messages coming in and handling these things. You know what I would say to this? And we'll end on this one. Take that text and read it together and let's ask ourselves that question, what would need to change in my life if I were going to, if my experience with community was going to look more like this? For some of us, it just means you have to get involved in some community. You don't, you're, you're a Christian, but you're actually living in isolation even when COVID's not in existence. You live an isolated life. You live an independent life. You don't share your life with anyone. So there's no life-on-life -life rhythm or life-on-life context at all. So if you don't have that, you have to have that. 
Jesus saved you to be part of that. So no matter how much of an introvert you are, you need that. And so you should start with the question, how can I, how can I jump in? How can I find this? But then taking, look at all the things they were doing. They were believing together, studying the word together. They're praying together. They're sharing things together. Um, they're eating together. Do we eat enough meals together? When this COVID crisis ends, maybe we'll be changed that way. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll more regularly invite people into our homes and experience meals together. Maybe missional communities will have more food involved and we'll just sit and get together. You know, when you look at this, what they're experiencing, it's not rocket science. It's not like, it's, it's just sharing, it's shared lives. And that's what God has created. That's the community that God, that Jesus, the gospel created. He knit us in the community together, and then he just calls on us to share our lives together, doing very normal things. So I don't think, I don't even think you guys need me to answer this question. I think God answered it in Acts 2, 42, 47, and we just need to do it. All right, we'll end there. It's 11.20. Thanks for jumping in. Maybe some of you will watch this later and participate with the service. I hope it's been helpful for, for all of us. Let's just continue. If we're going to experience meaningful connection, what it means is we've got to keep showing up. So let's keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up for the King. Amen. Grace and peace, you guys. Love you. Talk soon.